That's right. We're talking about Star Wars again. Today on Writers Get Animated, Star Wars Resistance. We couldn't resist. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and everything about the Force and the animated world of Star Wars that surrounds and is a part of all of us. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Like Chris said, today we're talking Star Wars Resistance, the new show from Lucasfilm Animation that is bridging yet another gap in the Star Wars episodic film saga. It's really nice that George Lucas left a lot of gaps, so that way the animated shows had a place to um, to go, really. And leave all of us nerds dangling, like, ooh, is he so-and-so's relation? Oh, what's going on there? Will we see that person in live action? Will we see that person in live action? How about that person in live action? At this point, I care more about the live-action people who become cartoon characters. (laughs) Yes, I... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, Star Wars Resistance, the new show that started October 7th. So, that gives you a view on when you're listening to this. When it's set in the saga. (laughs) When it's set in the saga, somewhere around October um, in the saga. So this happens in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So it's 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 not quite six point five. It's more like six point nine seven. Well said. <laughs> Yeah, it's it supposedly it takes place six months before the Force Awakens. I read. Yeah, I was trying to do some research, and some uh, nerdier Star Wars people than us um, have <laughs> done the legwork for us. And I guess it's right after the Poe Dameron comic finishes, and at some point I couldn't find the source. I think someone said that Resistance overlaps with the Force Awakens, or will overlap. Well, if they're starting six months beforehand, it seems... And it's going to be more than one season. (laughs) (laughs) Unless they're going, each season is a week. (laughs) Or, I mean, that would be interesting storytelling. But... uh, Yeah, I figure if... If they're trying to bridge... (laughs) I could see it going a couple different ways. It could go from... Six months before Force Awakens, through Force Awakens. Which, by extension, is through The Last Jedi. (laughs) And and then overtake The Last Jedi, and might possibly fill in the gap between 8 and 9, depending on if there's a time jump between 8 and 9. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I'd like that. It's like... So here I'm going to go nerdy. I know we didn't talk about anime much, but it's like when the anime gets to the point where the manga already is, and that is a filler season where Ash, Misty, and Brock go to the magical Orange Islands for some reason to compete in some kind of weird, like, Pokemon Olympics. Yeah, it's that. 
And I'm okay with it, because that was a fun season. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about... We, so now we know where it's going, or where it's starting. We don't know where it's going. We don't know how far this will extend. Um, it might be until the fall of the Resistance in Episode 8. Which I is... guess it would be a good end for Star Wars Resistance. <laughs> yes, it's we're done. <laughs> Resistance is final. Uh... Not my last one. I have a couple more planned. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really. I, there's one other one. Okay. Um, but I, I feel like we, we know where it's starting. We don't know quite where it's ending. But where is this coming from? Like, who, who made this and where are we? What, what, what do we have? In terms of the Hamster Dance song lyrics, this is the where did you come from part of our podcast and we'll get to the where did you go part of the podcast later where did you come from <laughs> <laughs> i'm is on it today a, is that gonna be a thing now or is that gonna be how we have to <laughs> we just have to insert the out? hamster dance you know what <laughs> it's happening <laughs> um, so this show is the brainchild not not entirely of Dave Filoni, but it's definitely has a heavy influence from Dave Filoni, and he helped create this show. Um, obviously, Dave Filoni um, was kind of doing the dirty work on the Clone Wars and then running Rebels, and now he's the head of Lucasfilm Animation. Uh, and as we just learned, directing at least one of the episodes of the live-action show, The Mandalorian, coming up. Hmm. Dave Filoni's going places. Uh, so on this show, he's now kind of taking the Obi-Wan spot for himself and providing some feedback on how they run it, but he's not involved in the day-to-day -day of Resistance. But it's still coming from those initial fever dream ideas that he had, which are good. Um, Anime-inspired, I read him saying it's a little bit about his grandfather's experience in World War II and kind of pulling from that. So cool. Yeah, it, it feels a lot like a return to some of George Lucas's initial love of vehicles. Yes. And I'm not saying that the other animated shows didn't have vehicles as the forefront, but this goes back to car racing, jet flying. I mean, you know, the vehicle is taking... Uh, a center stage place in the storytelling and wh where he w used world war II dog fighting <laughs> um, to design the the fight sequences and how they would be shot now we start to get those same influences i think there was one shot in particular in the pilot episode the recruit where it was basically the camera attached to the wing of, mm -hmm. of the ship. And you're watching everything from that angle where it feels like a physical camera resting on the wing attached to it as it was doing a, a spin or a move. And it was like, oh, okay, we're doing... It's this show. I see. Yeah. And it was a really 
the racing sequences are really exciting. It, you know, I'm going to say this. I know a lot of people are going to think I'm trying to be mean. I'm not. I love pod racing, and this reminds me a lot of pod racing. Not just because of the pit droids, <laughs> and they have the guy who narrated the pod race back to narrate this race, and there's cars and they're racing, and they're all different. You know, it, it's all these reasons. It's all these reasons why it's pod racing. <laughs> Listen, I had no real... Okay, this is... I'm, I'm going to lose it here. Um, I had no big issues with the pod race sequence. Honestly, if you look at it on its own, it's a really strong sequence. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was exciting. It was fun. And um, I, I enjoyed my chance to play the pod racing video game, you know, where you actually sat in the thing and drove. Yeah, that, that arcade slash N64 pod racer game is one of the best things to come out of the prequel era. And I'm including the Clone Wars in that. <laughs> so it's it's a different um a different focus it's high octane it's uh racing it's ace pilots it's what am i it's normal people there are no force sensitive folk around Ah, that's what you mean by normals. They're normies. They're normies. Non-Jedi. Non-Jedi. NJs? NGs. Yeah. NGs? <laughs> NJs? I th maybe NJs better. Okay. <laughs> well, now we know. Um, who's our main character? Who do we have? The main character we have is Kaz. Kazuda... And I, I can't pronounce his last name. Shiono? Yes, Shiono. Thank you. Kazuto Shiono, um, just known as Kaz throughout, um, who has been recruited personally by Poe Dameron to take on a secret mission at a, a base, a basic basically a big hangar that's a city um, called the Colossus, uh, which is a refueling station, but also a place where all the ace pilots, so ex-rebels, ex-imperials, all these people go to, to race and show them that they still got it as pilots. We know the First Order's got a hidden base somewhere out in wild space. If they're building up their military, they need fuel and supplies. You'll blend in and get to know everyone out here, earn their trust, find out who's loyal to the good guys and who isn't. Wait, like a spy? I'm gonna be a spy? But I'm a pilot! Trust me, kid. You'll be both. So, um, yeah, that's, that's who we have. We have Kaz, and he's... not... How am I gonna say this? I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. He's a typical Star Wars main character in the yeah. tradition of Luke, Anakin, and early Ahsoka, which means... And Ezra, you, I'd say. I was, oh, thank you. And Ezra, um, where you're probably not going to like him until season three. 
I'm prepared to like him. I mean, it's like endearing, but you, I mean, there are a lot of people who will make their way through a Star Wars thing and grow with it and be like, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a positive example. Um, Cause there's so many people that I don't like who have this thing, but here's a positive, like assumption of positive intent version of this. Mm-hmm. Someone's first Star Wars was the Clone Wars, let's say. And they grew okay. up with Ahsoka throughout the show. Boop, 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 boop. Young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, like, snippy Ahsoka at the beginning to, like, positive adult Ahsoka at the end. Um, and they move on to the next Star Wars thing and go immediately, because they've grown up also, like, why is the main character so juvenile? And that's the cycle of Star Wars fandom. <laughs> yes. Now, I personally, while I was watching it, I I was laughing a lot, and I know that nine-year-old Chris Leva would love Kaz as a main character. He'd be right there with him. Um, he's funny. He's awkward. He thinks that he's um, great. He thinks that he's smart, but he's not cocky about it, which is interesting. So he's, he's not whiny. Yeah, and he's he's funny in a way that Luke and Ezra and Ahsoka were not allowed to be. Um, he's he's clumsy, and you just his failures are funny because he's still reacting with optimism instead of where the other ones would react with um, whininess, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. It's like, ah, no. It's like, oh, no, please, please, ah, ah. Like, he sounds... I, I really connected with him in terms of his good intentions falling apart and things crashing and burning because he lost his focus. Yeah. Um as you're describing this, he reminds me a lot of like if you took Luke and like merged that character with the character of Padme Amidala. Hmm. Of like kind of like know nothing, but also like has this culture of respected knowledge. And one of the things that I find really interesting about where they can take Kaz as a character is for the first time we have a Star Wars main character who comes from privilege and hasn't had a hard life. Right. Which is so interesting. I'm really like, I want to know more. Like, tell me everything about his privileged life. I must know. <laughs> his father is a senator. Yeah, but if it overlaps then... with The Force Awakens. Womp, womp, womp. His father was a senator. <laughs> Sorry, Senator Shiono. <laughs> <laughs> Probable spoilers. But, I mean, that's that's a nice thing is we get to see some interesting things set up, which we'll, we'll talk about in just a moment, yeah. but compartmentalizing the podcast. It's like, um, <laughs> I, I feel like, um, we have a main character. Uh, one thing as I was watching it that I, I, I like to do because it's in my own writing that I've tried to challenge myself to not make my default a male. I was watching it saying, could this character have been female? I always ask myself that when I'm watching um, anything. <laughs> if the main character is male, could this have been done with a female? And I think, yes, it could have. And that is one opportunity. 
And I know it would be a different story that they'd be telling if they had um, a female pilot as the main character of this show. Mm -hmm. Um, They do have several females that they're setting up, um, several strong women, it seems to be, in the show. So I'm excited about that. Um, It was just something that I was curious about. And I think there are very few things that would have to change um, if you made that main character um, a woman. I disagree a little bit. Um, A little bit, sure. I would also be very interested in the show where the main character is a woman. Yes. But for me, I think for the particular circumstance I've set up, he's kind of like a stand-in for Young Poe. They're not going to tell the Young Poe story, so this is like, if we got the Young Poe story. Hmm. It it does feel like we're meeting somebody who's going to be important later on, which makes me wonder about what happens in episode nine. Mm-hmm. Do we need, do we meet Kaz in episode nine? I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking that we do, but it's just something that it feels like somebody who's going to be instrumental in a way that I didn't quite feel with Ezra, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Ezra and um, Kanan in Rebels, the whole thing you were asking is, how do these people disappear so they're not involved in episode four? <laughs> that's, that's what I kept wondering about. The main question is, how are they not involved? Um, and now it's, ooh, how is he going to be involved? How is he going to be important yeah. to, the, to the main story? That's true. That's another good point. For the first time, we have a character of a cartoon show who we haven't told the future stories. We don't know what happens to this character. We can't guess they're written out in some way. Right. They're not going to get Ahsoka and pulled from the world between worlds out of the timeline. (laughs) Ah, thank goodness. Um, But I feel like what's, what's nice about it is these first three episodes, because there were, there were three episodes that were released. So The Recruit, which was a double-length episode, The Triple Dark, and Fuel for the Fire, there are a lot of great things that you start to see. Um, so we'll talk about some of the threads that are starting. But first, um, I think we should talk about one of the most glaringly different things that we get, in addition to this main character, which is the animation. Yes, please, let's talk about it. I have, <laughs> I have soapboxes on soapboxes ready to go. <laughs> oh, well, why don't you take it then? So tell us about the look of Star Wars Resistance, because it's very different from what we've seen from a Star Wars animated show before. Yeah, I don't know if the... I don't recall seeing a moment where the staff or the animators actually self-described what they're calling the look, but it's very much in the vein of cell shading. Um, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's polygons that look pretty. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I have at least a personal long-standing tradition of like, I love this style. I think it's so great. It's bright-eyed, bushy-tailed in animation. And it's so vibrant and there's also a similar long-standing tradition of 
people despising things that look like this before they come out. If we look at gaming, things that I love that have done this, uh, controversially in the early 2000s, they rebooted the Zelda series with the Wind Waker game on GameCube, again, a long time ago. To have a <laughs> cel-shading look, this is like the first big headlining cel-shaded thing I can possibly think of. Um, and everyone despised how it looked in the trailers. And it's probably the greatest Zelda game ever made. I said it. And uh, similarly, the most recent hit for the Switch, the same Zelda game, went back to kind of more cel-shaded style that looks a lot like Star Wars Resistance, actually. Uh, similarly, people hated the look. Um, but there seem to be... I'm using air quotes here on the podcast. Fans who hate this kind of so-called like childish colorful look um a big vein right now in animations people hates the quote air cal arts style where supposedly mm. every american animator goes to cal arts and comes out with this square head round eye style and in actuality none of these cartoons look alike at all but people are generalizing <laughs> i don't do you feel the same like there's I, you brought up how controversial it was, so I, I want to hear your thoughts too. Yes, I. Uh, the first trailer that came out because I remember there was um, they they released the logo first. They're like Star Wars Resistance, and you saw BB-8. It's like, look, it's BB-8 starring in a t TV show <laughs> about you know spaceships and awesome stuff, and there's going to be racing, and it's going to be crazy, and it's going to be anime influenced. Um, was one of the quotes. And so when they finally showed footage from it, um, I, I noticed a lot of backlash about, oh, this looks awful. And I didn't think it looked awful. Yeah. Um, the thing that it most reminded me of was Tron Uprising, interestingly enough, which is about a different kind of resistance. And interestingly enough, because the Lucasfilm's partnering with the same studio that did Tron Uprising. Ah, oh, I'm so good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Points! Yeah, yes! <laughs> um, no, but that, that, that show is really, really... Tron Uprising is very much um, under, underrated. It's, it's a really terrific show. Great voice acting. Um, and the animation is really terrific. It takes a little bit. Um, I think it takes about two episodes before you buy into the style. And I think for me, it took about by the end of the first episode to accept the style um, of, of the show. I just kept staring at Poe Dameron's nose. <laughs> I just, I, I, w I was just trying to, it was just staring at the nose. Um, and Poe's walk and the way he turned. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just kept my eyes on Poe Dam. I feel like a lot of people would say this. I, I kept my <laughs> eyes on Poe Dameron a lot, trying to figure things out. Well, he's also um, the familiar character. You're like, okay, let's spot the differences. What are they doing? That's your like cheat sheet for style in this show. Like, here's a character we already know in real life. Let's compare and contrast. Exactly. Um, I did appreciate that facial expressions are a little bit more pronounced they act more with their faces than say rebels mm -hmm. so 
when you get a shot of Ezra wincing because of something he said, it's a little bit more subtle. And when you get Kaz taking, you know, wincing because he said something bad, it's like it's a whole full body, big, big face. Oh, oh, like, oh, no, what have I done? Oh, no. And, and then he falls, you yeah. know. Um, so very physical, very much, very emotional, very broad. Um, the other thing that I noticed with the animation was light. Yes. Light is very important in terms of the way it hits a character's face, the way it hits a ship, the way it causes a bright outline around a character. It, light is everywhere. It is so stunning. And I'm agreeing with everything you bring up just because there's so many um, animation details in this show that I think would be impossible mm. to do with another style. Um, and that's one thing that really impressed me from watching all of these. It's the visual attention to detail. Um, the moment that I really was like, oh, I'm on board with the show. Um, for me was when their Kaz is lowering the ship, the fireball down from the hangar to race for the first time. And as it's slowly descending, there's like a quick, like diagonal flash of glare across the windshield of the ship. Mm. It's like they didn't need to put that in that doesn't that's not something i would have thought to add and i don't think most people think to add um and i don't think could have been done in an interesting way if this weren't cell shaded it established style it established details like great i'm on board this is the moment i personally um for me it was the water mm. um when i think it's around the same time in the same scene, it may have been also a different moment, but when they're lowering the fireball and it tries to start and then it doesn't start and it starts to free fall down and then he, he gets it started and it takes off just, just a little bit above the water and the water skims out of the way. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful shot. And Likewise, um, when it crashes, spoilers, when it crashes at the <laughs> end of the race, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful shot of water. Again, anytime there's, and there's lots of splashes that happen in this, and it's just really noticeable, the kind of water, because it doesn't feel, I don't know how to explain this. It looks like water, but it's not water like Moana water. It's it feels more like Atlantis, the lost empire water, which is it feels like water. It moves like water, but it also is totally. Um, stylized. And this has been another episode of writers get high, get animated. <laughs> uh, no, I hear what you're saying about the water. I agree. I couldn't tell for sure but it kind of feels like it's traditionally hand animated which is what throws me it, it looks like it's hand drawn but i feel like it's not because some of the behaviors of it some of the behaviors feel very much computer generated and some of the behaviors the look of it feels two-dimensional so my feeling is that it is three-dimensional but 
programmed with certain outlines so that way it makes it look two-dimensional. Hmm. That could be. That's, We're getting very that's what I feel. Either way, we like it. <laughs> uh, what else did you like visually about the show? Was there anything else that jumped out at you? I was really into a lot of the character designs. Yeah. For me, the 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 main characters um, from uh, Yeager and Niku. Niku is a really fun design. Mm-hmm. I, I love Niku's um, semi tendrils going up the side of his head and his eyes. Yeah. I don't know how his helmet goes on, but that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I also enjoyed people like um, Orca. And um, Flicks, who yes. run the, who, who are basically um, mechanics. Well, they're the, they're basically Amazon. <laughs> they, they, they're the supply. They have the garage parts. They have everything. And but their design is so much into their uh, personalities, and oh, they yeah. they just look so weird and wonderful. It was so like Miyazaki slash Nintendo making Legend of Zelda game. It was painfully delightful. Yeah. Yeah, Miyazaki is the closest. Yeah, absolutely. They feel I like did... Miyazaki characters. Yeah. I, until that moment, I had no idea that Jim Rash was in this show or that Jim Rash played a long-legged sassy bird mechanic. And <laughs> I can't imagine my life without that now. I need more flicks. And I feel like he might play a, a more important role a little bit later on. I hope so. I hope he's not a bad guy. Although I feel like everybody is. I f- you think everyone's I, a bad guy? Not everyone's a bad guy, but I feel like it's something like a Solo, a Star Wars story, the film mm. that happened. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't mean that as a negative thing. I really enjoyed Solo. <laughs> I meant the film that came out, the the way that it happened, how it's showing a side to the characters in the Star Wars galaxy that don't normally have a light shown on them. Mm-hmm. So people who aren't so worried about light side versus dark side, they live in a tremendous amount of gray. And they do what they need to to survive. And they will get anyone into their control that they can. It's but somehow they seemingly, you can tell that some of them are, have more hearts of gold than the others. So Flix and Orca seem a little bit kinder. Yeah. I, I do think we're going to have some kind of like end of first season agents of shield type reveal of like one of the main characters is a bad guy. Yeah. My money's on Yeager. I like him. I think he's going to be like a sympathetic bad guy, but that's where my money is. That feels too easy. Is it though? But it feel, it feels so obvious that that's going to be where it's headed. Uh, I don't know. Like it, I, We'll, we'll we'll talk about that when we get into stories. Okay. So, but um, do we have? Did you have any final words about the style and design? Uh, just last thing I want to say is, you know, I love me some rebels. Love, 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 love. 
adore. Um, what this show did really successfully from like the first episode that I thought Rebels eh, could have done better was that every background character seemed unique. Mm. And Rebels did an amazing job stretching like the same five models again and again in the background. <laughs> well, they had to populate a whole city. You know? They did. And they did a fine job because it wasn't until like my second run of the show. I was like, are those all Minister Tua? <laughs> <laughs> So props to Rebels. Uh, but this one, it definitely feels like there's a lot more diversity on Colossus. Like there's a whole galaxy of aliens here. Yes. And you can tell them apart and start to recognize them. And I think that's part of what the story is doing is you need to know who everyone is because you have to be as aware of Kaz is because you are on the mission with Kaz. I know, I feel so Agatha Christie, like everyone's a suspect. Um, (laughs) I'm ready for like Poirot to come in and like tell me the complicated reason why something happened. The one drunk guy at the cafe who's on like in every cafe scene, I'm really into his character. He's had no lines. I don't know what's going on there. (laughs) But again, I want to know more. So in, in light of talking about what's actually going on, we started, we started to talk about Kaz as a character, but what is the story that this sets up? Like, what is the story that it's telling? Well, we get that Kaz is um, on a sort of espionage mission. Um, and because it's Star Wars and it's going to be well-written, like, I have questions, but I don't assume they're plot holes at this point. I assume we're going to get answers later. Like, why was Kaz chosen for this mission Um, Mm. of everything? Um, So we know at the beginning, there's some intel delivered to the Resistance. Um, Again, where the intel come from, really interested, don't know. Um, That the First Order is probably going to invade the galaxy soon. So Kaz is here on this, like, Moss Eisley-type outpost on a water planet where the only part you can live on is this platform for refueling that is presumably some kind of strategic location for the First Order and or the New Republic. Um, But no one's at war, so no one's going to invade anything. Um, So he's sent here to find out if the First Order is trying to influence things. Who's a bad guy? Who's a good guy? As Poe says. But in the meantime... He's just supposed to blend in and act casual. Which is not something Kaz does well. No. Which makes me wonder why he was chosen. Um, because as rash as as rash a character as Poe Dameron is, um, and Leia, General Leia Organa is, I don't think they would have made a huge risk on something as important as this. Mm -hmm. Unless it's a diversion or unless they're playing a longer game. And even if they... uh, it, It can't be the kind of story where they're just like giving someone something to do because they recruit him out of the blue and immediately give him this mission. Right. And they leave BB-8 with him, mm-hmm. which I know 
partly why that happens in the story because we need one character that is familiar in this in this series and it may as well be BB-8 who's arguably the most popular character of um the new trilogy the droids um, always are they always are and so i can i i understand why bb8's there but i don't know why bb8's there and i <laughs> you know what i mean story wise what what is bb8 going to actually do why would poe leave his prized droid hmm. with Kaz. And how does Kaz get BB-8 back to Poe so BB-8 can get everything that he needs to get? Yeah. Unless this is where the map comes from-ish kind of no, thing? They're after the something else? the map comes from Lord Santeca. Well, I know, where, I know that the map... But if they're trying to find where the map is, if they're trying to figure out something else. Maybe. Or what the First Order is actually after, maybe they're... This is just another way to try to find Luke. Who knows? I don't know. I feel like there are bigger strings at play that we're not seeing. And... Like Kaz, we just have to go along with it, pretend that this is just a show about mechanics and racing starfighters, and find out that there's actually something else at work. Oh, totally. And I think we already know that it's not even the season going to take place entirely on Colossus, because there's lots of trailer footage of like New Republic dogfights in space that wasn't in the first episode. So at some <laughs> point we go back there. And the first episode is mainly about a single race and Kaz proving himself on the Colossus. The second episode is uh, telling the audience and Kaz that this show is not going to be what you thought it was. From the first episode, we get the feeling that it's going to be spy and espionage and you know, a first order person around every corner and bad guys and take him down and send reports back. And and yet we still kind of got that in episode two. There were bad guys, not first order bad guys, but bad guys around the corner. But it also told us that, no, Kaz, you have to be a mechanic, Lilo, and things are going to happen. Things will come to you. Mm-hmm. Unless Poe knows that Yeager's bad and is trying to use Kaz to draw him out. I didn't really ever hear Yeager agree to put him up. He just kind of got stuck with Kaz. Yeah, he, he never agreed, but Poe kind of assumed that it was okay. Yeah. He's there now. We have a show now. So what are some of the... Um, what are some of the relationships that these episodes set up that we start to see blooming? And what, what are we going to start noticing? It's interesting because it is so early and there are so many characters. It's hard to tell who's a main character right now. Hmm. Um, I feel like this is going to be a slow burn show. I do feel like Tordoza 
who he is defeated by in the first episode in the race, that she's going to become like like the Sabine of the show. Mm. A super confident friend who's a girl. Yeah. Um, obviously, Eager is taking on some kind of like mentor pseudo dad role. Right. Uh, Niku and Tam are there right now. And I expect more out of them. I think Tam's going to be really <laughs> cool eventually. Right. Right now, they're just foils. Mm-hmm. Um, Bucket is a droid. Period. Uh, <laughs> Flix and Orca. Man, whatever they do with Flix and Orca in the show is not going to be enough Flix and Orca. <laughs> Um, there's the, the barkeeper lady. Oh, I also really like, um, the space sushi guy, um, I think it's going to play some kind of role, but I don't know how yet. Mm. He's like the Visago of this show. He's, he's the one who got hit in the back with the dart. Yeah. I, I can't remember which, what his name was. I forget his name as well. I just remember seeing that he had um, a tattoo for the Black Sun Crime Syndicate, who I always have a soft spot for, so I'm I'm really excited for more Black Sun, hopefully. (laughs) Um, And then otherwise, there was a promo video about all of the ace pilots giving us their names and everything, and a little bit of voice acting. Um, But we don't see much of them in the first few episodes of the show, which is why I think it's a slow burn. I think they're going to become more and more of the main characters, whereas Rebels is like, here's the main cast right away, and then we added Captain Rex. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is going to really make you think about who the main characters are, I think for at least a season. And I will tell you, you mentioned seeing uh, one of the ace pilots as an ex-Imperial. I've been dying to get a story about someone ex-Empire who becomes a good guy. I can't possibly believe that Everyone from the original trilogy era, when the Empire ended, suddenly just like disappeared into thin air or were killed or went to prison. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of ordinary people who were soldiers and doing things. And I want to know their story. And Griff Holleran is already my favorite. (laughs) We haven't even met him yet. And I really like him. He's the ex-TIE fighter pilot with the tricked-out tie. So cool. <laughs> I mean, it, we did get that in the novels in Star Wars Aftermath. We get a, an ex-Imperial. I'm I read the novels. <laughs> Just Not kidding. I've no- read some of the novels, too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read all of them. You make me sound like I've, I've read everything. I just read Ahsoka and the Aftermath trilogy. That's, those are the only ones I've read so far. Not even Dark Disciple? No. Oh, okay. See? With our powers combined. (laughs) We will will get through all of them. We'll have one complete Star Wars canon. (laughs) Just imagine if there were more things in the canon, how difficult it would be to figure out what the heck was going on. Yeah. So, I, I know that we've talked a lot about these characters. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the mystery that, that is set up. And I feel like 
resistance is fertile in terms uh, of there was there was the other one <laughs> so i i feel like resistance is fertile in the mysteries that it sets up so i know that one of the big mysteries is who is the person in charge of all of this mm-hmm. the is that um, Captain Doza? Right, Captain Doza, who's Tora Doza's f- father. Mm-hmm. What is he up to, and why is Yeager afraid of him? And what is he captain of? They're not with the New Republic. Yeah, there's nobody's in charge of anything. Yeah, what's happening? Okay, um, go on. More mysteries. Lay them on me. <laughs> Yeager. What's the deal with that guy? <laughs> What's the deal with Yeager? We, we do get the photos. We get to see that he was in the Battle of Jakku. Um, which was a really cool battle depicted in the Star Wars Aftermath trilogy. Um, but, you know, who is he and, and what did we learn about what happened before? through him. And I feel like it's going to get dark fast once we start picking at Yeager's backstory. Yeah. I don't think they've put on screen yet like how not immediate the fall of the Empire was after Return of the Jedi. It's been in the books, it's been in the comics, but they haven't like given you that downer feeling in a TV show or a movie yet. Yes. Because... Once the party was over, what was left of the Empire immediately tried to pick back up where it left off. <laughs> it was not an easy it was not an easy battle <laughs> once Luke blew up the second Death Star. Well it wasn't Luke, I'm sorry, Lando. There I apologize. He I needs apologize. credit. That that was Lando. Um Luke just killed, you know. Well, he didn't really kill anything. He brought balance to the Force in his own way. But did it last? We're off track now. No, it did not last. Um, Which is how we ended up with Star Wars Resistance. Um, And what are we resisting, anyway? I mean, they have... I think... I mean, there's resistance because Leia is... Like, they're aware of the First Order. They know they're out there. She doesn't trust them. And they're not the New Republic, so they're, I guess they're resisting the New Republic, kind of, and not laying down their weapons. And we know that the First Order apparently is in wild space, um, which is where they ended up sort of not quite at... the end of rebels but yeah there's so much mystery there that i want to know i think it's some other book because i read the summaries of books on wikipedia i don't read the books um (laughs) (laughs) don't listen to us lucasfilm people don't listen to this episode of the podcast love me um because i read the summaries i know at some point it's unclear, but Thrawn's records were instrumental of the First Order getting to where they are in Wild Space. 
and reforming as the First Order. Um, but it, I don't think they were clear on if those records are from before he zapped away by Ezra at the end of Rebels, or if he comes back in some way, and he has a record of that. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like this won't be the show where we get our Ezra Sabine Thrawn answers. No. And it, I think it plays very much with the idea that you're not going to see too many things that you've already seen or meet too many people that you've already met. We know we, we've, we've already met Poe. We've seen Leia in hologram form, but we haven't heard her speak yet. But we know that she will eventually, because there's a voice actress um, <laughs> who is uh, assigned to her. Um, we know that um, we've heard Captain Phasma. Yes. We've, we know that Adam Driver is coming in as Kylo Ren. And we know that C-3PO is probably coming in. So it's, there's some touch points, but nothing from what we've seen feels like it's going to be a little bit like Rebels where, hey, we're going to meet up with these people that you've met before and tie up some loose ends. This mm -hmm. doesn't feel like that kind of show. It feels like we're going to get a mostly side story complete that will only let us talk to other characters to let us know where we are in the time period. Yeah. And it's so far in the future compared to anything else TV wise they've done so far. Like there's so little potential for overlap. Right. I mean, there would have been a great, uh, it would have been a great, um, series to see you know what happened to Luke post Jedi or you know to any of them post Jedi which we get in the aftermath novels those that would have been an awesome series but for some reason they're letting us know this story mm -hmm. and I I trust you know this the story group and the way they they choose which points to start stories and where they're going to get us. Um, so I think we just have to go for a few seasons and get to season three when they tell us what it's really about. <laughs> I think we'll know before then. <laughs> I'm sure, but I, I think usually season three is where it starts to come into its own and take where it's gone, take where it's been and refine it. Mm -hmm. I think season three is where Ahsoka starts getting to be a little bit more together in Clone Wars and Ezra cuts his hair, you know, things like that happen in around season three. Yeah. I, I also wonder how long this show's going to go. Like how many seasons will it be? I don't, it feels like it's going to be shorter. I could be wrong. I feel like it could be longer. Oh my goodness. Okay, so why? Okay, so if um if let's see, the first season 
tells the story of the six months leading up to The Force Awakens. And then let's assume the second season begins sometime next fall before episode nine is available. I presume it'll be a little bit of bridging that time gap between that we're presuming is happening between Last Jedi and episode nine. And then after that, we'll have seen episode nine, we'll have seen the end of the episodic saga. Um, But if there was a time gap, like season two of Resistance is still going, and then you could presumably just keep telling adventures of everyone's favorite characters from this sequel trilogy era um, in the Resistance show. And as they've brought back Adam Driver and Oscar Isaac already, you can just keep bringing back those characters to voice or sorry, bringing them back those actors to voice their characters in Resistance, telling the story of them resisting between movies. Hmm. For forever. Before episode 10. Uh, no, I think... I 100% believe there'll be no more numbered episodes for at least another 15 years. That's a bold statement. If ever. I know. And I'm fine with that. Uh, one of the best things that I loved about the show that I didn't realize till I was reading reviews about this, someone was complaining on the internet, like you do. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> In my Star Wars fandom, it's more likely than you think. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I didn't watch this show for blank, 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 blank. I watched this for lightsabers in the Force. It Honestly, until I read that comment, I didn't even realize there wasn't a single lightsaber in any of the episodes that I watched. I really didn't care. I don't care either. Star Wars for me is character and world building. It's not lightsabers in the Force, which is a key part of it, but it's not all that. I I just feel like... I don't know. It... The, the Jedi are so tied up into bigger struggles. I, I feel like it, it's nice to have smaller things for a little while. Mm-hmm. Where characters are dealing with their lives. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, yes, there are wars in the stars surrounding them. But really, things are happening on on the ground between people. Yeah. What's it? It's a world that's about, and it sounds cheesy because ultimately I think every story is about this, but it's about good versus evil. Um, but Mm. star Wars really takes that to its core meaning. And a lot of these like non, these NJ, um, stories that (laughs) star Wars is telling, um, are asking that question of, like, is it still about good and evil if there aren't Jedi in it? And that answer is resoundingly yes. Yeah. They, um... I mean, they started asking that question with Rogue One. Um, where they're like, well, let's give someone who's kind of a Jedi, but not give him a lightsaber, but he'll have a stick. So, yeah. maybe that'll be familiar enough. And, and then Vader they just... was still in it with a lightsaber. And then they took that away with Solo, which, you know, it's like, well, but it's Han, so maybe people will be okay with that. But even then, still lightsaber. 
They snuck it in. I, I know they did. <laughs> so um, I, I really sincerely hope that we stick with these characters and it's not a bait and switch to some secret Jedi something, whatever. And I know we're getting Kylo Ren, so maybe there will be a lightsaber in, in there somewhere, but... I'm fine I, if there are lightsabers, but yeah, I'd be fine if none of these characters are Force wielders. Yes. It I might be better that way. Um, I just hope that the broom kid doesn't show up on the Colossus. Not in the first two seasons. Not in the first two seasons. <laughs> Not without a larger time jump. Although, what I... Mm, what I do think we're going to see in some way is um, Cannon and Harris kid. Really? Because that was... Let's see, at this point, that kid would be like... Thirty-four? Thirty-five? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's he's somewhere. Yeah, there's, there's a story to be told with that kid, and I don't think that's the same story as Ezra Sabine Thrawn. No, that's a separate story entirely. Yeah. Because that's the story of somebody whose family stayed in the fight. Not that Sabine and Ahsoka didn't have a fight. They just weren't in the the big ones. Mm -hmm. So. I'm hoping that Zeb gets a cameo and Agent Callus. I just need their love to be like on screen. And I don't think they're major characters for any other story to be told. <laughs> We're just here to refuel. Exactly. They're yeah. in wild space somewhere. <laughs> anyway. That's so it. so those are some of the the mysteries and dreams and hopes and aspirations that we have for Star Wars Resistance, which uh, I'm sure we're probably mostly wrong on yeah. some of them. And I can't wait to be wrong on like 80% of that. But that I 20%? love being wrong. Yeah. Star Wars always wrong. surprises you. You're going to be wrong about what you think is going to happen, but you'll still be delighted. Uh, to quote the great Jedi, Luke Skywalker, this is not going to end the way you think. I was trying to think of a good counter quote. Do you have a favorite thing about uh, Star Wars Resistance so far, Chris? I think for me, it's a really dumb moment. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's So Kaz has been told to fix this engine. And he decides that he wants to go out and watch the race. <laughs> and he can't get the engine to start. And then suddenly it starts up and it starts moving towards the edge and it falls off. And then he gets in trouble and, you know, it has to put it up, uh, get pulled up with a crane. But then at the end of the episode, um, Yeager lets him go and work on the engine out where he could watch the race. and. You know, it's like, oh, they've made they've made some advancements in their relationship. Yeager starts to understand Kaz a little bit. 
And so Kaz starts to watch the race, and the engine starts to move again. <laughs> and I was like, they won't let it fall off again. Like, they wouldn't do that to this character. And yes, they did. They totally let it fall. Like, that's the last thing you see is it going over the edge. No way for him to catch it. No! Oh, no, please! No, please! No, please! No, please! He's got so far to go. I can't wait for the season four moment where that starts to happen. He just stops it. Just throw a moment. Yeah. Just to show how much he's grown. He stopped the engine. <laughs> it's like, I know what to do. No, just let it go. Or, or that's the other thing. He says, let it go. And he knows it's going to fall. So we distract somebody long enough to let it fall so he can. <sighs> let the engine die. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> Did you have a favorite thing, Mackenzie? I did. Um, I am not the world's biggest Poe Dameron fan. I think he's fine. I don't hate him. But you know who delivered? Oscar Isaac. In his very brief time in the show, it is so peak Poe. Like, I feel like he's figured out Poe as a character, and that's exactly what we got. The one moment where he and Kaz are walking into the classes for the first time, he just doesn't care about anything. He's uh-huh. Yeah. What was that? What was what? The throwing and the falling. Over there. Don't think about it. It's so perfectly delivered. And um, <laughs> my hat is off to Oscar Isaac for making that happen. And he's turned me into a, a Poe Stannerin. Stannerin? Well, sometimes the people on the internet, they say they stand something. I don't know what this means. I just read it on the internet. I hope it doesn't mean anything bad, but I'm a stan for Poe Dameron. A stanerin. I don't don't understand what that means. I don't know either. I'm trying to be hip. Let me have it. Fine. I will let you have it. (laughs) (laughs) So we will keep watching. And if there are major things, we will come back and talk about this because it's animated and it's Star Wars. and And you know we're nerds. (laughs) this is in our wheelhouse (laughs) some might say it's in our trying to think of the name of the spinning lightsaber like that it's in the spinning lightsaber house (laughs) speaking of things in our wheelhouse should we talk about homework time let's for next time we are concluding question mark our series canon in disney um for those of you who haven't listened to us before we've been going through the disney animated canon dividing that into seven eras of animated film history and we are finishing it up with the modern era which begins at bolt and goes to the present uh so for next time watch all those movies or if you're like us just bolt and frozen so we can focus our conversation on those two things Two major touch points for this particular era that we find ourselves in. Yeah. As always, we want to say thank you to our engineer, Nigel Catino, and thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music. You can find us on uh, Twitter at WG Animated. Uh, you can tell me the meaning of the word Stan if you want to, or I can look it up before you tweet at me. I'll figure it out. Um, and you can find us on Facebook. Um, facebook.com slash WG animated as well and find all of our show notes in the notes part of the podcast app that you use. So until next time, 
Happy resisting. Happy resisting. Uh, just say goodnight. Okay. Just say goodnight. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>